0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour Three. Hi there, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, if you would like to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Um, oh, I um Yeah, I'm 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 sorry, I'm I'm having an inner monologue. What is an inner? I know people who have no inner monologue. Whatever, I mean, it just comes gushing out. Even stuff they shouldn't say comes comes gushing out. It's like the old Louis Grizzard joke about the the um, the church in in Moreland. <laughs> Punchline is, damn brother, don't believe I'd have said that. <laughs> Uh, I'm having an interval long. Should I I weigh us down with this? Yeah, I I probably, I think I should. To get us started, uh, I want to play you some audio. This is from NBC News this morning. The CDC is out with a disturbing new report today on teenage mental health. It finds teen girls are experiencing record high levels of violence, sadness, and suicide risk. 57% of U.S. teen girls say they felt persistently sad or hopeless in 2021. That is double the number for boys. It's also a nearly 60% increase and the highest level reported for girls over the past decade. NBC News medical reporter Erica Edwards joins us now. Uh, Erica, I actually have a piece tonight on nightly news about a curriculum for teens in high school a class on happiness and how to create happiness really speaks to what we're seeing in this report today um, this isn't an easy topic but I think it's one we need to have and I'm in my mid 40s and I want to talk for a moment to Those of you who are younger than me with young kids who have not yet gotten devices, you're about to have a child or your child is very young, I want to implore you to not make what I now believe is the mistake that people my age made with our kids. Do not give them access to social media. My children are very restricted in their social media. They can use Instagram on private accounts. We monitor it still. But no Snapchat with its messages that disappear. No TikTok, no Twitter, no Facebook. This one's hard. Teenage girls are more so than boys. This isn't misogynistic or stereotypical to say, it's what the data shows. Teenage girls tend to be more impacted by uh, celebrities, by influencers, by what they see online. And what we have done to girls is horrendous as a society. The we have done two extremes on on one side. We tell fat kids that there's no problem uh, with you being fat. And on the other side, we shame them with images of the skinny, beautiful. And it's a very, we're sending a lot of weird mixed signals to girls and we're telling girls they matter, but also you don't matter. We can exchange boys for you and put them on your sports teams. We are really screwing up girls in this country. Scouting has collapsed. Girl Scouts have collapsed. Um, and through it all, we're seeing an increase in despair. We're seeing an increase in suicide attempts. We're seeing an increase in kids contemplating suicide. I don't think it's a coincidence at all with the rise of TikTok now and the Chinese based algorithm steering kids towards the insane, we have kids with all sorts of problems. The New York Times has this story out about teens recovering from TikTok tock ticks. Just let me, if you're not aware of this phenomenon, a bunch of people got Tourette's. No predisposition genetically or otherwise for Tourette's. They just got it in the common, and it didn't present as actual Tourette's. The common strain was they were obsessed with TikTok. They were addicted to TikTok and they were watching Tourette's influencers on TikTok. Aiden's tics erupted one day after school in early 2021, about a month after the long pandemic lockdown had ended. The 16-year-old convulsed while walking into the house and Heads snapping and arms swinging, sometimes letting out high-pitched whistles and whoops. Aiden's parents looked up from the living room couch with alarm. They had been worried about the teenager's ratcheting anxiety related to COVID, gender dysphoria, college applications, even hanging out with friends, but they were not prepared for this dramatic display. We watched this happen in front of our eyes, Aiden's mother Rhonda recently recalled. It looked like Aiden was going crazy. They rushed Aiden to the emergency room, but doctors found nothing wrong. After calling a neurologist, the family learned that more than a dozen adolescents in Calgary had recently come down with similar spasms. Over the next year, doctors across the world treated thousands of young people for sudden explosive tics. Many of the patients had watched popular TikTok videos of teenagers claiming to have Tourette's. A spate of alarming headlines about TikTok tics followed. Similar outbreaks have happened for centuries, mysterious symptoms that spread rapidly in a close-knit community, especially one that has endured a shared stress. The TikTok ticks are one of the largest modern examples of this phenomenon. They arrived at a unique moment in history where a -a once-in-a-century pandemic spurred pervasive anxiety and isolation, and social media was at times the only way to connect and commiserate. What are we doing to our kids? And there's this other aspect to this as well. Gender dysphoria, you notice. Aiden has gender dysphoria. Throughout the article pronouns are not used and one who is smart should probably be aware of the fact that if Aiden is picking up ticks from tick-tock What else is he picking up? Visibly, he's a boy. He grows long hair, dresses like a girl, but finally at the bottom, they say that uh, at six during a turbulent period for the family when their mother was ill, Aiden began to occasionally tick, clearing their throat or rolling their eyes. Aiden was raised a boy by adolescence. They gravitated towards friendships with girls, came out as bisexual and traded sports for ballet and theater, sometimes bullied once Aiden's skull cracked after he was dragged by the ankles into a shower in the boys' locker room. Awful tragedy. Awful bullying. But now he goes by they and claims to be non-binary. And what's so weird is that there's this, that he and his family participate in an entire story about how kids are developing tics after watching TikTok, but not gender dysphoria. Not not brought on by cultural, um, the cultural movements there. No, no, no. Now amplify this for Girls. Who they're shamed for being fat, they're shamed for being skinny. They're 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 told they can be they're expendable. We can make boys girls now. You're not needed. Um, It's just it's it's a terrible awful thing that we're doing to our kids. For the love of all that is holy and decent in the world, keep your kids off social media if you can. If they must have a phone, let them have a phone, but do not let them into social media. It opens a Pandora's box and you cannot close it. Pandora, you know, this is how Greek mythology explained all the ills of the world in. Pandora was given a box by the gods and they knew Pandora was so curious, she couldn't help herself. They told her she could have the box, but do not open it. And she opened it and let all all the troubles of the world in. Your phone is a Pandora's box for your kids. Congress says it intends to do something about it. The Senate Judiciary Committee is holding a hearing Tuesday focused on protecting children online. No tech company representatives are testifying, but the panel will hear from child safety advocates and industry groups, the president of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the chief science officer, the American Psychological Association. A trio of Democratic senators introduced a new bill Monday, the Clean Slate for Kids Online Act, that would give U.S. citizens a right to demand tech companies delete personal information collected before a child turned 13. In a Congress bitterly divided, Republicans and Democrats agree social media and tech can harm kids' mental health, but you're not banning it. You people won't even ban TikTok when you know it's a national security threat. And by the way, good luck. You know, kids aren't supposed to have social media accounts until they're 13, and parents are signing them up early anyway. Government cannot legislate around bad parents. But that gets us back to the girls. Do you know there's there's some incredible research out there about pornography, boys and pornography, that a fourth grade boy is now likely to encounter pornography and an average boy by sixth grade is looking at it by 10th grade most american boys are regularly engaged in pornography viewing it consuming it getting off on it ruining their relationships because of it do you know there's only one group of boys that doesn't do that and the data transcends race it transcends income it transcends ethnicity it transcends all backgrounds it is boys whose fathers drew a strong line in the sand and said, this is bad and here's why. It promotes human trafficking, it promotes social vices, it promotes all sorts of ills, it ruins your relationship with others. It is bad, do not engage with it. Boys whose fathers engage with them and tell them it is bad and harmful are the boys most likely not to use it. And you know with girls, the girls who have the most self-esteem, the best self-esteem, they're the girls who have strong relationships with their dads. I don't think it's a coincidence a lot of these social ills have come while we've written fathers out of the picture. That's not to make a misogynistic statement. It's not to say moms matter, but dads do matter, and we place a lot of priority on moms. I do too in my house. My wife is amazing. My wife is so awesome. She went out of town to be able to take care of her dad for a couple of days who had a procedure done, and I was home trying to do the laundry and keep things going, and we all missed her. We all wanted her home. Life's not normal with my wife is not home, but she had to be somewhere else. Moms matter greatly, but dads do too. And this is a common thread through all of this is that girls who have great relationships with their fathers are less likely to get pregnant at an early age out of wedlock. They're more likely to get married and stay married. They're less likely to have suicidal thoughts. They're less likely to have their self-esteem defined by what they see on social media. Dads, you've got to step up. Moms and dads, you've got to try to make it work for your kids. The data is too compelling and we are a selfish people and some of you will hear me say this and you'll get mad at me for saying, how can you say I should stay together with that ass It's not about you. It's about your child. For the love of God, people don't make the mistake people in my age did when it was new and shiny and we didn't know and we let Pandora open the box. Keep your kid off social media. Encourage your friends to keep their kids off social media. It really does make a difference to their mental well-being. And be involved in your children's life so that they put their trust in you and that they have a strong relationship with you. Girls in this country have incredibly high rates of suicide, suicidal thoughts, despair, depression, eating disorders. And a lot of it comes from the pressures around them and you as the parent involved in their life and having them off social media can give your child an advantage over the ones whose parents don't do those things. Be involved in your kid's life at an intimate trusting level. We have a huge problem with this coming generation. They are being raised by social media. And much of that social media steered by the Chinese government is steering them into dystopian nonsense and madness. And the best way to stop it is to sever the cord from those apps and to be involved in your kid's life. So my kid has a queen size bed. We've got a king size bed. We got him bull and branch sheets and he's used them. He had like kid sheets and now he's old enough. He doesn't want the the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because, I mean, the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen-size sheets, and they got put in our closet, and the kid was in despair. We got him Bowling Branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer, and he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of bowl and Branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness, my, uh, seriously, my kid, uh, he's suddenly like, my sheets are for kids. I'm, I'm grown up now, and uh, it's just a, a step of quality above what he had, and now he's like, can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde, other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress, too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed, and it fits. It doesn't, like, bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night when you roll over. You can get 15% off your forced order, Bowling Branch Sheets, when you use promo code ERIC at BowlingBranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Branch B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Greetings. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let me play you some audio from a familiar voice. But here's the thing with, with, with ESG and what we're doing. If those ESG investments are actually the best investments, you can do it. We're not preventing you from doing that at all. If if buying uh solar panels companies and all that, if that is what what is going to return the best, you're not restricted at all. You're only restricted if ESG's the rule. Because there could be lucrative areas that you are just not going to do because of the politics of it. And I think that is where you, you run into a big, big problem. But, but I really do think that this is kind of a house of cards. I think it's going to come crashing down because I think as more people look at this, they say, okay, how is this benefiting you know me? Like you're a retired police officer. Is it benefiting you as a retired police officer or a retired nurse or people that have this stuff? to look to see how your investments are managed. No, it's not benefiting them at all. Ron DeSantis taking on ESG, uh, pledging to fight as governor of Florida. Uh, he just keeps fighting where so much of the Republican base is, and he's ignoring Trump's attacks altogether. I got asked uh, last night on CNN, actually, uh, when does he fight back against all of Trump's attacks? Trump's latest. He, so he's gone from Ron DeSantis, Sanctimonious, to Ron establishment to now he's, he's meatball, Ron (laughs) meatball, Ron, that that's what Trump has come up with. He's trying to find a, a hard hitting zinger of a, uh, nickname to give Ron DeSantis. And and so far they haven't landed. They've all kind of fallen flat and DeSantis completely ignoring him, making headlines for doing other things. It's part of a consistent strategy. And I think he can continue the strategy until the moment he officially declares he's running for president, uh, at which point Trump is really going to come after him. They're digging up massive piles of opposition research to criticize him for his COVID response. I don't know that that's going to work against DeSantis. And I hear some of the people who work for Trump privately prefer DeSantis. Y'all, I want to be real honest with you. Uh, I have looked, because you have asked me to look, for a reputable gold company, that can give you advice and answer your questions that's not gimmicky. Like, for example, some of them do certificates, and some of them they try to rope you in with other stuff. You are interested in precious metals for your retirement savings uh, to ease the ebbs and flows of inflation and wild swings in the stock market. Advantage Gold. Advantage Gold, that's who you want to call. Uh, Advantage Gold, I have looked into them. I have had them answer my questions, and it is not one of these gimmicky places. There aren't tricks they really just want you to have a great experience learning how to be a gold investor. Give them a call, 800-450-2566, 800-450-2566. Tell them I sent you. You can get their free golden IRA investment kit, but call them if you got questions. They're good people, 800-450-2566. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Glad to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. You know how sometimes you hear something in the media and all of a sudden you hear it everywhere. Um, Whether it's Bader-Meinhof phenomenon or, or what have you, it's oftentimes everybody grabs hold of the same sort of talking point. Having been... On television, as a news commentator and in talk radio, I can now tell you, actually, from my personal experience, that a lot of times it's groupthink. Somebody says something that sounds good, and everybody else runs with it. It happens a lot. It actually happens. Um a, a more than you think. So a lot of times I, I know and, and I hear this on, on the left and the right that oh uh everybody on Fox is saying X. Uh it must be the memo of the day. Everybody thinks they're memo. I don't get these memos. There are memos that come out. Um I I so just so you are aware, there are uh and and the left has a lot of slack channels. Uh, there are left-wing reporters and, and political activists who have Slack groups. If you know what Slack is, it's a program they used to have email lists. Now they're on Slack channels. And they actually do have conversations, batting ideas around. It's where a lot of the group thing comes from. It's where a lot of the talking points come through them. The right has some, but in my experience and in my conversations with friends on the left and right, not to the extent. One of the frustrations of being on the right is everyone really is pretty independent. Everyone buys into that rugged individualist thing on the left. It's a lot easier to get buy-in. Uh, they're all working towards a common purpose. On the right, it, it, it is more fractured. Now, I know people on the left say otherwise. They're like, oh, people on the right are so much nastier than us. And people on the right say, ah, oh, people on the left are so much nastier than us. But in my conversations with friends on the left and the right who are involved in these things, there does seem to be easier buy-in on the left for some talking points than on the right. On the right, it's a lot of individualism. Well, I don't like that idea. I'm going to go say this instead. Ah, oh, that sucks. I'm going to go say this. And when you hear a lot of the talking points on the right, it, it's not really talking points, it's somebody said something everyone agreed with. And so everybody repeats it, whether it's true or not. And oftentimes there's not a lot of thought. Now on occasion, the DNC or the White House or the RNC or a Republican Governor Association or somebody, they'll have conference calls and get a lot of the so-called influencers on these calls to talk and share data and try to push people on common talking points. You should know, I swear on the, uh, hand handle the Bible, uh, I do not attend these calls. I get invited. Uh, here's the reason why. I think it's bad form. Um, I have always been, and it is my personality, and I know it sometimes drives you crazy as it does even me sometimes, and my wife on occasion, I really genuinely have always been one of those people who when everyone heads in one direction, I kind of stay put because I want to see what happens. Rarely do I go off with everybody. And, and part of the reason is I just, I have always despised group thing and the, the red meat of it. I'm just, uh, what I mean by the red meat or the, the chum in the water is I just want to say the stuff, the, the salacious stuff that gets you all worked up into a frenzy uh, that, that tends not to be my style and it never has been. And I've always kind of been one of the guys. I think that's probably not smart guys. And, and then I can go off and do my own thing. Um, And, and, you know, even in like when I was a blogger working at Red State and and even talk radio and on social media and stuff, I don't have the camaraderie that a lot of other people have. One, I'm I'm not in um, D.C. or New York where a lot of these people live. Uh, I don't have the relationship with a lot of these people. Um, they, they, I, I don't have this the buddy-buddy the antics you sometimes see among conservative influencers, people on Twitter and the like. I don't hang out with these people. I'm not socially with them. It's not that I don't like them. It's that I don't live near them. I don't have a lot in common with them. I've kind of defined myself by the real world and my life and my family and not by an online persona. I'm um, not in one of their groups or clicks. And, and we're all friends, don't get me wrong. I, I don't dislike them. They don't dislike me. It's just, I'm I'm kind of a, a man on an island. I mean, I, I have you guys and and not them. And I, I'm not in the, the conversations and the Slack chats and the like and the talking points and coming up with stuff. Occasionally, however, something comes out and you can very clearly see this is coordinated. You can see it happening on the Right. Swiftboat Veterans for Truth with John Kerry was, was one of the big ones where everybody on the right slow it slowly built it was it was dripped out it, it got momentum. people knew that the mainstream media, the CNN's of the world and the like would ignore it until it was was too much and and suddenly it caught fire uh, and it was well coordinated behind the scenes talking points. I know some of the people involved. The Democrats are doing it right now, and it's very clearly a coordinated thing, and it started with Joe Biden's State of the Union, and it has carried over beyond the State of the Union. Paul Krugman is writing about it, New York Magazine writing about it, um, left-wing institutions all over America writing about it, pundits talking about it on TV, and that is the Democrats fighting the last fight. They're fighting over Social Security and Medicare. For a very long time, there was a large segment of the American political right that wanted Social Security and Medicare to go away. There are some who still do. They have pretty much lost the fight. But the Democrats have decided to resurrect this argument that uh, Republicans are a threat to Social Security and Medicare, that they want to abolish the programs. Now, here's a couple of things here. One. I don't think this works in part because this is what they've said all along. I am sure they have some polling, but this is like gun control. When you poll people about gun control, a majority of Americans support gun control. When you break gun control down into its individual components, you find that no one actually supports anything, which is why nothing gets done. But beyond that, with Social Security and Medicare, older voters rely on Social Security and Medicare. If you have senior citizen parents, they're getting a Social Security check, they are probably on Medicare. Younger people understand, however, as do older generations, that Medicare and Social Security are going away. They are dying. They are going bankrupt. They will be extinct. And the question is not how do we prop them up or how do we get rid of them, but how do we reform them to save them? What Joe Biden is doing in making this, uh, that Republicans wanna, wanna take away Social Security and Medicare is he's actually playing a very irresponsible game and one that Senator Biden would never have played. And that is to suggest the status quo is the only acceptable solution, but the status quo will not long-term work. The status quo will actually end Social Security and Medicare. The irony, the bitter irony here is that Joe Biden's position is the position that will eliminate Social Security because Social Security will not be funded. It's kind of remarkable to watch the Democrats do this. But now they're coming after Ron DeSantis on this. This is from New York Magazine. As a rule, State of the Union addresses are what Daniel Borstein has called pseudo-events. Scripted affairs whose only news value is the commentary surrounding them. But President Biden's speech gave some important signals about the upcoming election. Biden is probably going to run. His performance was lively enough to at least slightly alleviate doubts about his age, and his campaign is likely to focus on defense of Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. This dynamic clicked into place for me when I saw two pieces of reporting about Ron DeSantis, the conservative establishment selection to replace Donald Trump as the presidential nominee. First, Josh Barrow noted that as a member of the House in 2013 and 14, DeSantis not only voted for Paul Ryan's plan to turn Medicare into vouchers, but also supported an even more radical plan that would have raised the retirement ages for both Social Security and Medicare to 70 cut the growth rate of social security benefits and changed medicare from a program that guarantees access to health insurance into one that would have provided a stipend payment that would not over time have necessarily kept pace with the actual cost to buy health insurance the next day andrew kaczynski and m steck reported that cnn on cnn that desantis had endorsed privatizing medicare and social security See, here's your dirty little secret. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Democrats, despite their public statements, privately believe that Ron DeSantis is going to be the Republican nominee and not Donald Trump. There's a lot of data showing some underlying weakness to Trump, even as he has advantages, he's got significant advantages, he can't be discounted, but Democrats privately believe that DeSantis is the guy. There are a lot of Republicans who want it to be DeSantis. The Democrats believe that they can attack Ron DeSantis on Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Keep in mind, so too does Donald Trump. Donald Trump is aligned with the Democrats on Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. It's kind of one of the weird things here. The standard bearer of the Republican Party, The supposed leader of the party is aligned with Joe Biden on saving Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid and not changing the program. And so all of them want to dogpile on DeSantis. See, the Biden team believes it would be DeSantis and they believe that they have an easier shot at beating Trump. They want Trump to be the nominee. I mean, after all, Biden's already beat Trump once. He's a sure thing in their mind. So you have all of them aligning against DeSantis on this issue. The oppo is already coming out on DeSantis. Here's a problem, though. It's kind of like abortion. Kind of like abortion. There's really rarely been a candidate who has lost because of his position on abortion. Typically, it's other things, and the pro-life or the pro-choice activists say it was abortion, when really it was other things. Really, it was a bad campaign. It's the same with Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. You're hard-pressed to find a candidate, particularly a national Republican candidate for a national office like the presidency, who has been wiped out because of their opposition to Social Security. Yes, yes, Democrats defined Paul Ryan as wanting to roll grandma off a cliff. It didn't really work for them. Democrats have for years vilified Republicans for wanting to gut Social Security and Medicare. It hasn't really worked for them. It doesn't really work as an attack, but to their base, it fires up their base. What it also suggests to me is that they really do think that older voters will be the swing voters? Gen X tends to lean towards um, it, it, Gen X tends to lean towards the right. Millennials and Gen Z tend to lean towards the left. Older voters, which make up the largest pool of voters, they've tended to lean towards the right, and now suddenly uh, they could be a swing voter on Social Security. Except a lot of these older voters care about the future. And in caring about the future, they care greatly about the social benefits their children and grandchildren will get. And the whole overarching issue here is that they don't want to, they want to be saved in Social Security, but they want their grandkids to have access to it as well. And when you tell them and and make it known to them that, look, here's our plan, we will guarantee you that what you're getting from Social Security will be there, but we want to reform the program so people under 40 will have access to a program that won't be bankrupt, get rid of the IOU trust fund. Older voters actually like the idea. They, they tend to appreciate that they want to reform it. The Democrats have it in their head from the 80s and the 90s that no one wanted to touch Social Security. But at this point, people understand that the program is going to go bankrupt unless we fix it. And the Democrats have no solution to fix it, and Republicans do. And so they can play the fight. They can play the old game. They can play the lost game. But you're going to have new messaging from the right that we don't want to get rid of Social Security, we want to save it. Why doesn't Joe Biden want to save Social Security for future generations? Why doesn't Joe Biden want to reform it so that it'll be there for others? Why is Joe Biden at 80 years old so convinced that he needs Social Security but no one else does? The Democrats are on an old playbook. A younger Republican, a Nikki Haley, a Tim Scott, a Ron DeSantis, can update the Republican response and blow a hole straight through this ship of, of Democratic arguments, and they're never going to see it coming in large part because they're so focused on Trump being on their side on this particular issue, they haven't left room to even contemplate that older Americans might actually embrace the idea of fixing the system for their grandkids. I was not intending to go to break when I did, or I forgot to mention Patriot Mobile. So now I get to tell you real quick about Patriot Mobile. Um, My cell phone provider can be your cell phone provider. And the way they distinguish themselves is they use the same cell towers everybody else uses. You can even take your existing phone number to them. But what's really cool about it is they take a portion of their profits and give it to the conservative movement. So the pro-life movement, the Second Amendment movement, uh, the fight f- uh, for the right to keep and bear arms is funded by Patriot Mobile. In addition to a lot of conservative parents who are battling the wokes on school boards around the country, they've been funding that. You can get involved and have a great cell phone provider with guaranteed great service just simply by going to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can also call them if you want. Uh, 972 Patriot, they have 100% US based customer service. 972 Patriot, 100% US based customer service. Tell them I sent you, you get free activation, and you're partnering with a company that shares your values and funds the causes you care about. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. I'm probably going to have to spend more time on this tomorrow. So, full disclosure. So, I will tomorrow at um, be coming to you live from Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, my daughter and I are going over to the Nikki Haley event, which will be at eleven near our hotel. We will get back from the event, and I will broadcast live from Charleston before we come back home. Um, and I may have to spend time talking about Mr. Beast. I, if you may not know who Mr. Beast is, but I assure you, your kids probably do. He's the biggest. Um, he's the biggest thing on YouTube. Mr. Beast paid for surgeries for blind people who had a particular sort of cataract-based blindness. They can all see now, and he's being attacked for doing so. Now, let's be clear here. He wasn't altruistic. He was spending money, getting positive buzz for having helped people fight blindness, but I kid you not, the technology journalists of America are attacking him for ableism. They are attacking him for paying for people to see. They are claiming, I am not, oh, I want to say I poop you not in, in the way you're supposed to say it, but I can't. They are, I, I, I kid you not, they are claiming he has deprived people of their blindness you're scratching your head, you're muttering the letters WTF, but in a full sentence with words. Yes, they're attacking him for taking people's blindness away, as if he took their superpower away and gave them sight. They all wanted it. They all volunteered. They were happy to have him help. and. The technology journalists of America are making him out to be the bad guy. That idiot Taylor Lawrence from the Washington Post, one of the most malcontented people on the Internet, who now claims that she is somehow disabled, is condemning him for taking people's disability away. All disabled people want to do is get along in the world with the ableists of society. These people are insane. They're malcontented, evil, nasty people. Dude cured blindness for a bunch of people. How is he the bad guy? This is the journalists of America. And this is why so many people do not take them seriously anymore. You do something nice, you become the bad guy for daring to do something nice.